Greetings and welcome into a new installment in our Catching Up With series. My name is Adam Tiger, the publisher of BuffStampede.com on the Rivals Yahoo Sports Network. And today I'm chatting with Sean Tufts, who played linebacker for the Buffs between 2000 and 2003. Sean, how are you? I'm great, Adam. How are you? Doing well. Uh, you're a Colorado native, born in Aurora, played your high school football at Cherry Creek. So you're a Colorado guy through and through. It makes sense that uh, you wanted to go play your college you know, your college football in Colorado, but your father, David, played at CSU in the 1960s. Was there any pressure to, to follow in his footsteps and play for the Rams instead? Uh, my dad had a lot of pressure up until signing day, and then he disappeared and donned all the black and gold and totally converted. Okay. Well, uh, you know, you, you have that knee injury and missed the majority of your senior season at Cherry Creek, so that was unfortunate, but you were still a decorated high school recruit Walk us through, through the recruiting process. What other colleges recruited you, and what ultimately led to your decision to be a buff? So I was looking. My top five was Michigan, Notre Dame, USC, and uh, Tennessee was an outside shot. Uh, I, you mentioned my ACL. The uh, one Friday night, my senior year, the second game of my senior year, I tore up my knee, had an official visit booked to Michigan the next day, um, and obviously learned a lot about the schools and their attitude towards both me and the injury and how serious they were to you know, grow me as a human. Some schools trail off after that. Some doubled down and recommitted, and those are the schools I really, really pursued. Um, and it came down to CU and Michigan, and the investment at CU was just too great. I, uh, I had a great position coach of Brian Cabral. Uh, John Embry went to my high school. I thought was an alumnus there. So there was just a family calling the Boulder, and that's what I really responded to. You mentioned uh, Cabral and Embry. Which assistant coach was was recruiting you from the the bus staff? Uh, John started really heavily because of the uh, the school commitments, but as soon as I found out, you know, kind of the lay of the land and who my position coach would be and who I'd be working with for thirty to forty upwards of fifty hours a week, that's who I really wanted to talk to most. Okay. And uh, you, you come to Boulder and play as a true freshman at CU in 2000, but only played 116 defensive snaps that first season. Was that still valuable experience, or in hindsight, do you wish uh, you could have maybe gone back and, and redshirted that first year in Boulder? Hindsight, you never go back in time. Uh, <laughs> no, you know, I think uh, I don't think I would have made any different decisions. I know that because uh, I got a lot of valuable experience at that time. I think my recommendation to kids going through that same decision-making now, um, half a year as a 19-year-old is much different than a full year as a 22-year-old. So I try to always encourage people to uh, get the most out of their college and yeah, invest in some of those later years more heavily. Now you never know what will happen. And you needed me to play, and I wanted to play, so it, it worked out pretty well. You enjoyed a lot of individual success and team success in 2001. Uh, you started 12 games and made CU's Victory Club by grading out with a winning performance in at least eight games. When you look back to the highlights of your football career, going from Pop Warner all the way through uh, your professional career, did that season pop in your mind first? Yeah, I think undeniably the, uh, the best football moment I had was coming off the field in the first quarter of the Nebraska game and being up 21-3 to three or something like that and looking at Matt McChesney and, you know, shaking and saying, don't jinx this. There were two local guys who'd always experienced the, uh, the Colorado-Nebraska rivalry and it was good to, 
you know, watch our team struggle so much with that team and then to finally come out and just blow their doors out was was truly unrepeatable. Yeah, that leads me into a question I've got. It's a fan question from SD Buff who asks, what do you remember most about the 2001 Nebraska game? The announcer said Jerry Barnett had a quiet confidence going into the game. Did you feel the same way? And was there anything memorable said by Nebraska's player during that curb stomping? Nothing was said. Um, and the cool part about that game was it was the antithesis of football. It was a cold November day. You could see each other's breath. You know, the light was kind of muted and perfect for a Saturday afternoon. Uh, the, you know, the field had the right feeling. Your cleats had the right feeling. It was it was what a cinematographer should base every movie and every single shot from here on out. They should base that off that day. <laughs> Did, did you have that confidence going into the game? Did you sense that from from Gary Barnett going in going into it? Our senior class had a really really strong leadership, and yeah, there was a confidence of that team. Um, where I'm still trying to prove myself and taking every snap for what it was worth, and you know, trying to make something of it, and make a play, and, and help and impress some of those leaders. And that's where I was mentally, which might be a little different place than you were expecting, but I was still trying yeah. to prove myself. F.C. Buff also asked, uh, it has been rumored the team lost focus after losing up on the national championship game. In hindsight, do you feel there was a letdown in the Fiesta Bowl? Well, certainly our on-the-field performance showed it. Um, so I can't tell you if there was a letdown or not. I know that we were all excited to go out to Tempe and play in that game. Um, we were all excited to play Oregon. Now, yeah, would we rather play Miami or Nebraska again, I guess? Sure, of course. Um, and I, I, I truly couldn't tell you if we could do anything different, if we would. Um, I know our guys played hard, but maybe there wasn't the right prep there. I think I think it, uh, on the whole, the end of that season did kind of trail off on a, on a sour note. But it was what it was, and you can't go back. <laughs> what, what did you feel were your strengths and, and maybe even your weaknesses as a linebacker in college? Uh, I was... Very confident that if the ball carrier is in front of me, I was going to tackle him and put him down. Um, as, and I was, I felt confident I had range to range from you know tackle to tackle and sideline to sideline. Um, I was much better in the run game than the pass game. As things as you know, the spread offenses, the Big Twelve took hold. I started coming off the field more and more there. Um, so I really love games like Nebraska, Kansas State. Uh, who else are fun games? UCLA was fun when they had Morris Jones Drew and some other good backs. So I loved those games. And putting helmet on, strapping up tight, and you know, blowing up a fullback and an offensive guard is why I play football. You missed uh, six games during your junior season due to a high ankle sprain, but uh, the team did uh, in, still enjoy another win over Nebraska, and you finished the 2002 season with nine wins. Uh, then your senior season, you, you put together your best statistical season, uh, but the, the team falls short of going to a bowl game. What what do you remember most about your upperclassmen seasons with the Buffs post two thousand and one? Yeah, you mentioned two thousand two was uh, was a rough year for me personally, um, but it was a good opportunity for me to take some more leadership and you know push through adversity. Uh, uh, yeah, I broke my wrist, I had that ankle sprain, I dinged up my shoulder. It was an awful year for me personally, but those things happen and proven. Uh, Proving you can come back from injury is a part of this game. You know, if you're a carpenter, you expect a splinter, and if you're a football player, you better expect some injuries. That's just the nature of the game. So, 
luckily I had some good supporting cast around me and some friends that picked me up and, and uh, helped me get through that time. Um, I do remember some great wins on that team. We beat UCLA in the Rose Bowl when it was 110. Uh, we beat Nebraska. We beat OU. We beat a couple great teams. Played the Big 12 Championship again and, and submitted that 01 wasn't a fluke, right? We had a, yeah. uh, a good core group of players. In that senior season, did you feel like that was when things kind of came together in, in terms of uh, your individual play? Yeah, I, as I got older, I definitely uh, matured more as a player and became a lot more complete and a lot more confident. Um, unfortunately, our team didn't, uh, well, myself included, we didn't really quite click, and we never uh, we never found that same success we had in a 1 and a 2. Um, but, again, it was a learning experience, and I wouldn't trade for the world. The Carolina Panthers select you in the sixth round of the 2004 NFL draft, and uh, you spent three seasons with them before knee injuries forced you to call it quits. Was it the same knee you injured back in high school that ended up uh, ending your professional career? Yeah, you know what? I had uh, some bad mechanics in that knee um, with all the injuries and surgeries. I think I've had four total now. Um, and the way it sat on the knee joint just kind of rubbed one area raw. <laughs> it's a funny story. The, the only time it would get hurt and I would feel pain in it when I was playing with Carolina was when I turned left. When I turned left, a flap of cartilage would open up and go bone to bone in my knee, and I would just crumble. So for the last three games of 2005 season, we played in the NFC Championship game. We played a wild card playoff game and a uh, divisional playoff game. So those last three games, I didn't turn left. <laughs> Every time I'd break down, I'd try to shuffle left or you know, do anything to try to turn and pivot on that knee um, and keep myself upright. So... There were some funny stories of me wearing big baggy pants just to hide that it was swollen and stuff like that. And looking back on it, you know, those are probably decisions that if I'd have gotten taken care of right at the beginning when I start feeling that pain, you know, maybe it would have turned out different. But yeah, as it was, it did in my career, and hey, that's how it happens, right? Was there, a, you know, a particular moment when you kind of realized, hey, okay, this just isn't worth it anymore, having to deal with the, the pain, or was it just something that kind of built up over time? You know, I talked to Matt Russell, who was a, a former great buff. And at the time, obviously, he's with the Denver Broncos now on their leadership teams. Um, at the time, he was a scout for the Patriots, I believe. And I was talking to him on just, hey, you know, shoot me straight. We're friends. You've helped coach me. This is my GA when I was a freshman. What am I looking at here? And he said, dude, you've got one year. Um, and once your tape is more than a year old, you're pretty much out, unless you're a special, irreplaceable athlete. But even uh, some of those guys are seeing that same pressure. Jermarcus Russell's had the same problem. He's been on a football year and can't get a workout. So after my injury, I gave it a good solid year to come back. It was in great shape. My knee was feeling good. Um, you know, had regained my speed and some other things. And, you know, no team's called. So I think at that point, the writing's on the wall. Actually, you know what? The Dallas Cowboys did call. They called me on Christmas Eve. They told me, hey, pack a big bag. Um the late Christmas day, we're going to fly you out of Denver, bring you into Dallas, sign you a contract. we got three games left. Pushing for a playoff appearance. You're going to play. So I go home and buy my mom a Christmas star for the tree. We start working with my girlfriend. I'm moving her down to Dallas, my now wife. They never call. No plane ticket, no, <laughs> no agenda, no bus ticket. We start calling them. Four days later, it turns out they signed another linebacker. Wow, wow. And... Yeah, they ended up calling three people on Christmas Eve, and the you know their first choice obviously took the deal and flew down there. So that's just the business of, of football and how it does truly change 
from uh, you know something you're doing with your buddies, a pastime that you love, as it evolves into a multi-billion-dollar business, right? Yeah, when you talk to a lot of former football players, the interesting part of the discussion often ends when their playing career ends. But for you to be started with your life, you come back our voted class president. Uh, you join the Ralphie Handlers to become the first and only former CU football player to run with Ralphie. And I've got a fan question from NC Buff who asked, what did it seem like running with Ralphie rather than behind her? You know what? Actually, I had bad experiences with both. Uh, my first time running behind Ralphie, my first game as a, a freshman, I had some steel-tipped cleats on, was running behind Ralphie and followed all the players up to the Colorado ramp, you know, the big uh, the big concrete ramp in the end zone, and ate it and wiped out like three or four other players. <laughs> and I looked at John Donahoe screaming at me, telling me to figure out what I was doing. In not so kind terms, um, and then yeah, in the Georgia game, I was running with Ralphie, so I was the uh, holding the the back rope, the loop rope, trying to slow her down and work her the brakes. And we hit the sideline and and went from the turf to the grass, and I did the splits and tried to hold it as I was holding Ralphie, and then she catapulted me about twenty yards into the coolers, wiped out their whole bench. So I've had bad experiences <laughs> with both, but both were absolutely fun and uh, and irreplaceable memories. When else do you get to put a rope on a buffalo and run around for a couple hours? It was it was a fun opportunity that really, and honestly, it, it paid some dividends in my career. Um, going back to Boulder and showing that community, I was serious about academics, um, and Ralphie was a good way to uh, propel that, right? It was a good news story. got people interested in, in what I was doing, and it was, it was a good choice for me. What's more of an adrenaline rush, running with Ralphie or chasing down a running back? Ooh, a bigger rush. Definitely chasing down a running back is a bigger payoff because when you pop him and knock him three yards out of bounds, there's there's nothing like that. Um, running Ralphie and, and sealing her back up in her pen and getting everybody, you know, all five runners home safe, that big Buffalo safe, you know, crowd of 50,000 people safe is a whole different calming feeling, actually, rather than excitement. So, oh, okay. two two very different experiences and one, one very much, ah, we did it. She's away. She's safe. Okay, let's do it again. How often do you do you practice with running Ralphie when you're part of that that crew? There are four practices a week, so two workouts and then two live practices with Ralphie, where we go down to the soccer fields and do a couple of loops with her. So I'd be in the middle of an NBA class in the middle of you know some sort of corporate finance class. I raise my hand, leave classroom, return two hours later, smelling like buffalo chips and sweat. <laughs> and my classmates were always trying to figure out where I was going. Until finally one day I told them, and they were like, wait a minute, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> How many people actually know where Ralphie lives day to day? Is it kind of kept secret to keep her safe? Ralphie's location is kept secret. I can tell you it's close to Boulder. Uh, they had a couple vandalism problems in the 50s where I think Oklahoma State shave their logo into her, which I got to tell you, I've been around that buffalo a lot, and I never feel comfortable enough to stand next to her with a pair of pruning scissors, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and someone else spray-painted her blue or something like that one time. So, yeah, we, okay. keep, her, we keep her under lock and key in a, uh, in a secret location that you only get revealed to you after you've ran with her once. So you have to go to a practice, successfully complete the loop, and then they'll... Uh, They'll tell you the address and work with you to go pick her up and clean her pen, that kind of stuff. Okay. Back in 2011, uh, you were selected to Forbes and not real 
30 under 30 energy list. What, what specifically do you do and uh, who do you work for now? Uh, so at the time I was doing wind farm development. So I was putting together all the land and working with Excel Energy and those types of utilities to, yeah, put up and buy a uh, utility-scale wind farm. Um, I had a good niche there because I had started my own company, went to work for a bigger company. Um, obviously had a good story with coming out of football and doing something positive for the community. Um, so that was a part of it. And then recently I went to work for General Electric. So I'm a global key account manager for two of our big electric motor uh, customers. Obviously, you've worked hard for the success you've had post football. Uh, do you have any other players that uh, quit or you know are playing football? Shout to ask Is that something you've uh, talked about? Yeah, actually, um, you know, most of the most of the people I really keep in touch with are really doing great things in my life. Um, and I think football for what it is. You know, I think the outside community really gives a bad rap to football players. I can tell you that student athletes are motivated. They're motivated in the classroom, motivated on the field. Um, and following that, they're great employees. Uh, once you get them out and give them some tangible skills in the workplace, all that teamwork comes right back into play. Um, all those leadership events come right back into play. And where, you know, a, a standard kid straight out of fraternity might have had some leadership roles, it's nothing like the... Uh, you know, the PhD you get while a student athlete. So it's a much different person that comes out and a much more mature person that comes out of college after balancing football and athletics. Um, you know, Sam Wilder's working for a big company. He was my offensive tackle. Um, he's working for Stryker, doing some, some great sales work with them. Matt McChesney was a defensive end for us. He opened up his own gym and trains hundreds of young football players, um, not only football but also the life skills. Uh, yeah, there's probably 50 or 60 guys that are doing great things. Just saw Vince Reed, one of our uh, running back business he started and, and doing great things. So I think the prep that the student athlete gives you is irreplaceable. And if you can start trending yourself towards big business, it, it really has dividends for you. Before I let you go, I wanted to get your thoughts on the current buffs living here uh, in the Denver area. How often uh, do you get up to Boulder nowadays? Yeah, I'm in Boulder about once. Once a month, and then every single game day. Okay. With uh, the current facilities project up there, there seems to be some positive momentum around the program, despite the fact the winds haven't come yet. Uh, what are your thoughts and expectations for for the Buffs going into year number three under McIntyre? I, I like Mac. I like him a lot. Um, I think he comes from the right place in his heart to be a coach. Um, he really, truly loves it and educating the kids and, and, you know, not just teaching X's and O's, but other life skills. Um, I think at this point in Boulder, the administration, the leadership on campus um, have matched goals with the athletic program. I think that's a critical a critical component of being successful. Uh, you know, athletics is a good window in advertisement for your university. So if we can do great things together, it's obviously much more impactful. Um, I know Bruce Benson and uh, Stefano and all the leadership have, have really backed Coach McIntyre, and I think that's helping. You see it in the facilities, and it's a, you know, for a lack of a better term, it is a spending game to some degree. You've got to show recruits and you've got to show um, you know, all the people that are associated with the university that you have a commitment to athletics, and we've done that. And that uh, Champions Club should be a good capstone to that commitment.